Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, nothing really new, but we are talking about the state of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the state of the MC Union, as it were. And mm. we have a special guest joining us again. Ooh. We're just going to tease that. Yep. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. My name is Matt Carroll. And I am Jeff Randall. And joining us once again from Viking, Minnesota. Is that right? Yep, Viking. Rural Viking, Minnesota. Rural Look it up on Google Maps. I will. I don't. I just don't believe you. <laughs> Google either. Maps is going to be like, that doesn't exist. Get out. That's not a thing. Um, <laughs> yes, Nathaniel Muzzy's back with us. Nate Muzzy right here. Thanks for coming back, man. We enjoyed having you yesterday. Well, thanks for um, having me, guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, you paid for it, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, Nathaniel Muzzy. Had to grease a lot patron. of palms to get where I am today. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, just, just to be clear, we would have had you on any time you'd ask, but you, we just ended up talking about it after you uh, signed me. up on Patreon. So, well, it does well, seem like we're, is, we're, I kind of uh, mentioned. And we'll probably get into it as we talk about the future of the MCU. But I mentioned, like, hey, if you guys ever need help hosting, like, here or there, whatever, I'm around. And then you launched your Patreon, and I signed up. And it's like, so technically I asked to be on before I paid you, but (laughs) you guys, money doesn't hurt. Yeah. No, if you want to be on the cast, just throw some money our way. Uh no, right. I'm totally teasing. We, we uh, have this third seat that you can purchase for the low, low price of. Honestly, it's been great having you on. I will say our our our, our cast yesterday for all those who heard it, uh, it ran was a little long, super long. And I think it's just having three guys who like to talk about this as much as we we all do. Having two guys is is already long, and having it's hard three, enough to rein us in. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we went I, we went a long ways, but it was great. I enjoyed it a lot. So we're glad to have you back. So, here's what we're going to do. Spoiler alert, everything. Spoiler alert, everything. State of the MCU. We're going to talk about everything from where it began. It's it's, it's humble beginnings with a little movie called Iron Man and a a wonderful creative team of Jon Favreau and... um, Kevin Feige? No. Robert Downey Jr.? Yes, I was trying to say Robert Downey Jr. I can only think of Tony Stark. Um, but I knew I was wrong. <laughs> no, you're right. My brain you're absolutely just right. come up with Robert Downey No, Tony Jr. Stark is right. He is Tony Stark at he this point. He kind of is at this point. So He's like married to that role. We've come so far since then, guys. That was nine years ago. It, it, it's insane the number of just sheer hours the MCU has has brought us of, of wonderful content, wonderful stories. Yeah, except for Iron Man 3. I like Iron Man 3. I know. I just wanted to bring it's that sweet. up. We'll fight, we'll fight about it. <laughs> I think it is a perfect a perfect moment for the for Tony Stark. Uh, it's it's his response, his his shrinking back after his... Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the arc of Iron Man. Let's talk about the arc of Iron Man. Not the arc reactor of Iron Man, mind you. Iron Man has had such... I just, I love how you can really look over these movies and see the arcs. Like, that's what's so beautiful about it. And the the character development. And Iron Man is one of the best examples of this. Because he's been in, been in it since the beginning. He starts out, he's this pompous guy. 
he gets sort of brought low, realizing he has his company has has supplied all these terrorists, and then he just he doesn't really change though. He just decides to like double down on his pompous, arrogant self with his. I am Iron Man. But in a different direction, being the hero instead of the like blind the the guy who doesn't care where he gets his money yeah. from, he just doesn't ask questions. Like instead of not asking questions, he's in control now and being the hero and using that control to be the hero. But then in Iron Man two is where he really gets brought low and like maybe I'm not all that with that like this guy can make the things that I make. I have this disease. This yeah. palladium is killing me. Well, and a lot of it, a lot of it too, has has pertained to his father. In the first one, it's my father's company has uh, my father's company has been doing these wrong things. And in Iron Man two, it's my father might have stolen these ideas. Yeah, my, like my father's past is catching up on me. Yeah, and then kind of both movies, his father's past. Honestly, his parents are so prevalent through this entire his entire arc. Yeah, uh, even the through whole the MCU. Vision. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I but- mean, they, he, Howard Stark was a huge driving force in like the first Captain America, and it, especially Agent in Agent Carter. Well, and he shows absolutely. up in Ant Man. And even if if you really he want does. to get at it, uh, he was a part of the Super Soldier uh, initiative that they're trying to recreate when uh, you know when Hulk happens, or at least at least when they're when they're tra- part of the reason they're tra- tracking Hulk. We never really got a solid uh, Hulk origin, exactly. Well, we got a montage. We got a, an origin right. montage for Hulk. It, and, you know, honestly, that was probably the best way to intro us to the Hulk, because Hulk's story is kind of it's kind of boring, to be honest. They, they gave us this montage of, like, this is how we're going about it. He was actually experimenting on himself when it happened. Instead of, like, protecting somebody or throwing himself over a ditch when a gamma bomb goes off. Like, come on. Yeah. He's, he's experimenting on himself, and it goes wrong. And that's what, that's what he has done to himself. And that's why he's trying to cope or to, to heal it in some way. And that, that origin of the Hulk is probably one of the better ones that we've seen. Well, and it's hard to shoot fake science and make it seem interesting. And unfortunately, <laughs> that's what the Hulk's origin is. You know, you can only do so much Star Trek techno babble like about gamma radiation. It's better you leave it mysterious. The fans can fill in the gaps and it's more interesting that way. Yeah, and you get interesting uh you get interesting quotes where like Eric Selvig and the Avengers said, you know, low levels of gamma radiation, nothing too harmful. And then Nick Fury's like, gamma radiation? That <laughs> can be pretty harmful. Like he knows. Right. Selvig may not know, but he knows. He knows it could get bad. Um, so back to Tony Stark. Just talking about this kind of brings up a question for me. What what exactly was Iron Man's high point? Is it the end of that first movie? I was kind of thinking it's the end of the second movie where like he and Pepper are together. But like separated from the MCU, Tony has a real dark path he's walking. If you think about it. Oh yeah, you know, I, I the think guy it's finds out he's his weapons are being used to murder innocent people. Then he becomes Iron Man, and he's essentially addicted to it. The suit's killing him for a period of time. He has PTSD from going into space, you know. <laughs> and, and then obviously the events of Civil War, you know, like 
Well, not to mention Age of Ultron before that, where he's right. he's still losing his relationship because the end of Iron Man three, he blows up the suits to get a fresh yeah. start and to to kind of make a commitment to Pepper, and then when he can't give it up because of Hydra coming back, right. Hydra comes back, he has to dive back into being Iron Man, um, and and he loses his relationship because of it. All the while, uh, you know, <laughs> up before Iron Man three. Uh, the environment three, the 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 wait, which one was it that he got the actual shrapnel ticket out of his heart? Was that two or three? That was three. That was into three. Three. So three. Three. He's giving up everything about who he's been as Iron Man in that moment, uh, and then and but he then then I almost wish we'd gotten a four or or some scene in Ultron where we got a sense of he's back for Hydra because we never actually got that said in the movies. You yeah, know? It, he just shows up. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, he's Iron Man again." Wait, didn't he blow up all his suits? But I mean, we know from we know from the the context that Hydra came back and he came back into action to clear it up, but that 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 had to have been a hard decision for him and we never got that that moment. It had to be a hard decision, but then again, it, it from what it looked like in Avengers Age of Ultron, it didn't seem like it was that big a threat that it needed Iron Man to come along with. Like, he could have just been, like, calling the shots or, or just bankrolling the whole thing. Right. Well, well, and he was... I think, I think in, in a big way, the Ultron was his way of getting out... Like he was trying to make Ultron so that he could back away. Exactly, right. so that he could be with Pepper again. Because Pepper didn't want to see him fighting literally physically as himself. Yeah, but <laughs> um, every anymore. time you end a war, or every time you try to end a war before it begins, somebody loses. Things go bad. So yeah. I still keep going back to, uh, this is an old, old rampant speculation that I came up with. But I feel a little bit like they set it up where Tony Stark reasonably could have been switched out for uh chitari slash scroll imposter at the <laughs> Avenger- end of avengers one and it still totally makes sense because if you look at like the way his life spirals out of control after that and the poor decisions he made af- after avengers one he makes ultron civil war happens you know they could totally make that make sense do i think they're gonna do that no not really but it's fun speculation. Mm-hmm. We talked about this we at did. one point. It might have been can... you, Nate, who sent it in. I we've, probably we've definitely wrote it discussed in. it. We've definitely discussed that theory before. Um, I just everyone hates Iron Man three, but I love it because it's a character study. It's it's the the battles, the villain. None of that really matters. And I love what they did with the villain too. I love the fake Mandarin switcheroo. I think it's genius. But. I, I love that we get an Iron Man who really does have PTSD. Like, he saw the universe, and for the first time in his arc, we have him admitting something is bigger than him. You know? Yeah. Um, and, 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 and he's scared. He's, like, really legitimately scared throughout that entire movie. Um, and he, he still mans up and faces the battle, but we still don't really get a resolution in that movie to his his fear. And I think from that point on, Iron Man 3 forward, fear is driving him. And, and, yeah. and, and fear is driving him to build Ultron to defend the world because they, they need to defend the world. He's so scared of this uh, cosmic threat. And I can't wait till the threat actually arrives. I mean... Yeah, um, we're not going to get a resolution on his fear until... Honestly, I think it's going to be the end of Avengers 4. 
like not Infinity War, but the next one where we actually get a resolution on his fear. Right. I don't want to see. Okay, so uh, there's speculation someone big is going to die in in one of these Infinity War movies. Probably the probably the finale of the of the second one. One of our heroes is going to die. I I don't want it to be Tony Stark because I feel like his entire arc as a character will have been to overcome this fear of the cosmic. Unless maybe I guess he his final moments is him overcoming that fear and becoming the brash hero that he is, the brash hero that spoke to Loki in his, uh, you know, across his bar. You know, I love that yeah. Tony, and I want to see him become that against Thanos. Like that would be amazing. I think killing Tony Stark is almost an easy way out. That seems weird that murdering your billion-dollar franchise is the easy way out. But they've been setting up for a tragic death there. But it's kind of unsatisfying, because if you think about it, Tony Stark has given up his whole life to do this thing. And, like, he's not one of my favorite characters in the movies right now, because he's kind of a dick, and he kind of ruins things for other people. But at the same time, he's given up everything he had for this. He gave up, you know, our, you. I guess Stark Tech is still making money, but he gave up all those military contracts. He gave up Pepper. He, you know, if you look at the things in his life he's given up on, he's become singularly focused on this one thing. And the truth is, when Thanos shows up with the Infinity Gauntlet, he's going to be insignificant, and there's nothing he can do about it. So I think killing him is just too easy. Like, I think he has to walk away either completely broken or fixed somehow after that event. Yeah. I think, I, I think honestly what it's going to be is that he, he, we get the realization or the, the finale of like, they beat Thanos. He saved the world from this, this big cosmic threat or he's helped it. He's helped save the world. And like, he has a dying moment of like, you know, he sacrificed himself, but he, he at least gets to see that the world is safe and confirm like at least everybody's safe and then can pass on. And I honestly think that it's probably going to be the whole original team, uh, mostly because like contracts are coming up. Like if we're going to be really, you think the whole original really team is going to pass? They're yeah. all going to die. They're, they're going to pass the torch, so to speak. Um, Cause like, I think they may pass the torch. I can't see them. In one stroke, killing. I want to. I'd. You know. I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> Take your time. There's so many ways they could do it, and I have no idea. But like, I could see them killing the entire team, except Tony. And how sad that would be. Yeah, I could that see the that. Prophecy came true. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he, that his vision came his true. His vision of all of his friends dying. What if they all really die? And and then he has to almost like re like Infinity War two is him pulling from all these sources that he has to try to go up against Thanos with like what seems to be the B team and he's just the leader. And maybe he does sacrifice himself at the end, but that would be an amazing passing the torch, you know? You know yeah. what would be interesting is if you know, I mentioned on yesterday's podcast. I mentioned Avengers disassembled. If we if we actually saw post Infinity War, if they do Avengers reassembled, where yeah. it's Tony Stark putting together the new team, maybe maybe he's physically not able to be Iron Man. So like, right? He's, yeah, he's old. He, he's man. more he's of old. a Professor Xavier character at this point. Yeah, I'd love to see him be able to live on and be that. 
Yeah, like what if he's teacher? What if he's like the director of Shield by the end of it, and is pulling like the Mighty Avengers together? All I know is if he's the director of Shield, I want to see him uh, do what he did in the comic uh, Siege. Oh yes! Crash oh my god! I've been talking about Siege. Oh my god! I've been talking about you know I've been talking about you Siege. Have, you have. I don't been, know much oh about it, but God. Okay, it's, it's the best moment. It is the greatest. He turns a helicarrier into a bullet and drops it on the sentry. Or, well, the void, I guess, at that point. Huh. Right. And, and that, that is part of what helps stop the, the, the void from getting out of sentry. Uh. It's, oh, it's so crazy. But the thing that I'm, that I'm looking at most of uh, is actually Captain America. Because in his vision, Cap you know, jerks awake and says, you could have saved us and then dies. And Chris Evans is running out. His contract is running out. But Sebastian Stan got signed for nine movies whenever he first got signed first up. First got signed. But and I he's mean, only been in two of them. Only two? Three, three of three, them. Three, yeah. He's been in three of them. So Sebastian Stan, is he's in it. You know, he's sure. in it, he's in it to win it. He's got six more movies. I don't know that anyone resonates with Sebastian Stan the way they want us to. And I feel like they would be better off at this point. if it, and, and They could do it in Infinity War. They could make me care about uh, Bucky. But at this point, I would rather see Falcon with the you shield. You want to see Captain Falcon happen? I do. Yeah. Okay. More, yeah, I, I agree. More, I just care about him. So let's get, let's get into Captain America. Um, okay. The first Avenger. Um, the first. So, Captain America is just a, a, a whole different arc. And I love these arcs. I love talking about these arcs. We've got Captain America, young kid, in the Bronx. Just a tough kid. Brooklyn. With, f- right, right. Sorry, Brooklyn. Um, f- with faith in America. And, and, and trust. All this trust in the system. And he just wants to go and fight Hitler. He wants well, to go fight Nazis. He doesn't Nazis. like bullies. He doesn't like bullies. He doesn't want to kill Nazis. He wants to stop a bully. Right. Exactly. It's just he's just such a good, pure character with no moral ambiguity when he starts. And that first movie, there's really no moral ambiguity. Captain America is Captain America, and he does his thing. He but is the Boy Scout. As soon as yeah. you get to his next appearance in the Avengers, you suddenly have him. Finding Hydra weapons on the ship, like he starts to question everything. He starts to question just it. a little bit. He, I mean, that whole battle, that whole fight among the Avengers, uh, where they're on the helicarrier and they've all have different reasons. Tony's hacked Shield. Um, He's the spy. His yeah. secrets have secrets. Yeah, yeah. Tony and, right. and 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 but Cap. That's a huge moment for Cap because it's really the first time he's like. Something's not right. Yeah, with this Shield. thing that I believed in so so strongly is not all that it that it was you know claiming to yeah. be and living up to be, and still trying to be the good man he's supposed to be. But he loses the moral the moral certainty of just being able to trust in his in the authority that is America and the government. And of course, that ex- is even more expanded when you get into the next movie, which is uh which is Winter Soldier when he finds out the entire organization he's been working for is a lie. Is a lie. Hydra He's been working for Hydra the whole wor- time. The, the, the thing he's fought, he he joined to fight against, he's been working for for ever since he got unfrozen. 
that is such irony and such sad, such a sad state for Cap. But he comes out of it stronger. Can we just say what a great movie Winter Soldier is too? It like, really, wonderful. really is. It, wonderful. It's it's up there. It's got to be top three MCU movies. Which that's a tough nut to crack. It's a tough. It's really hard to rank these movies, and we haven't done yeah. it in a while. We did a maybe we'll do that in a future episode because now we have about since last time we tried to rank these movies. I think we have like eight or nine new movies. It's so insane how <laughs> it's many been movies. Three months. Oh, <laughs> uh, so continuing that journey into the Age of Ultron, he thinks that they can as a team work together but then even his own teammate tony he can't trust tony and uh, we you know he gets away with it a lot but um hulk banner, banner dr banner yeah. dr banner also was involved just as much in building ultron they 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 don't tell the rest of the team so now he, he even has the avengers his team, his brotherhood of, of heroes, has also sort of betrayed him and created this problem. And and, and now the whole and then and then you get civil war and the whole world is after him for the for the problems that uh that were caused in those movies. We have him he he's just such an interesting character because he's I feel like he's all about his moral compass. And it has been constantly shifting what his moral compass actually believes in. And it's now really is just down to what's right. He has to decide what's right, and he's like the only arbiter of what's right. You know, and what does that lead to? I'm I'm not even sure that it's his moral compass moving so much as just his moral compass is pointing in a direction, and whatever happens to be in that direction is is shifting. Like this ideal, what represents that ideal right. is what's morphing and shifting, and he's. Like he's going forward and is just kind of like no, no, that's not it, and no, right. that's not it. I think if we're going to talk about you, know, we talked, we just talked about Tony and his arc and what was his high point. I think, in a way, uh, Captain America's high point is the end of Civil War. He knows he's doing the right thing. He knows yeah, right. he's doing the right thing, and and he breaks all his friends out of that prison, and he is no longer beholden to anyone. Even his team of yeah. Avengers is kind of falling apart, he's, and it's just him. He's, he's got his secret Avengers now. Right. Yeah. Well, his arc throughout all the movies is the only thing that is 100% pure and good in the MCU is Captain America. Now, it gets a little ambiguous in Civil War, and you can see Tony's side, but oh yeah, thinking through it, I don't know that... Has Captain America ever been the morally wrong one in any situation in these movies? No. You know, he he is the audience's guiding light. If Captain So it would be interesting if at some point they actually betray that. I think it would be too. I was I was actually about to say something very similar in that he is now his singular only focuses himself and what does that lead to from a moral perspective like once you think you're the only guiding light like i could see him making a moral failing you know right especially when you're running your own covert team of avengers like yeah it might be it it could be interesting to see him dealing with the stuff that tony took care of when tony was leading the avengers you know, maybe maybe he finds that leads to some of the compromises. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, we might actually get to see him uh, make those 
those morally gray choices like uh like we saw in civil war where he you know works with any villain that that wants to you know fight against the accords or whatever right yeah and that would be uh that would be a new and dark place for cap well and maybe maybe we'll talk about it more later but like we have to cram that into like the first third of infinity war in theory uh, you know, yeah, when, like first half, I would say. I, how long is the Infinity War going to be? Like, we don't have a running time on it. Obviously, no, they, right. they haven't finished I, filming. I guess the major question is at least two and a half Is hours, Infinity though. War going to include the fight with Thanos and Avengers Four is aftermath, or is Infinity War a setup to Avengers Four, and Avengers Four is the big fight against Thanos? Right. We don't know is the answer. I right. I have a feeling that. You know, we talk about where, where's that Empire Strikes Back moment. We've talked about it being in a, a lot of these different movies, but I have a pretty strong suspicion that Infinity War, the movie, is going to end with all of our characters down and 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 uh, the Mad Titan with the gauntlet. Like that's, yeah. I think that's with with the fully completed gauntlet um, with the, all six stones. Yeah, and the argument against. Or one of the arguments against Marvel is weak villains. So give give Thanos a whole movie to kick ass and be crazy and just be a great villain. Like yeah, absolutely. Make, like make the audience fall in love with how badass and evil this guy is. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk Thor. Let's talk Thor and his arc. What's where where has he? Where, what's what? What do we what would we call his major arc? Um, daddy and brother issues. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a family squabble more than anything. Yeah. It is. It is very tied to Loki. Um, thus far. Yeah, it's. It seems like his uh, his his main thing is that Loki wants to do a thing, and then Thor gets dragged along on a leash with a oh god I have to clean this up around him and is like trying to run circles around Loki to keep this garbage this this wake that he's pulling behind him from like catching up to the world and and really wrecking right. everything. Well, that's phase 1 in in phase 2 though uh with 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 Thor the Dark World, he actually has to seek out the help of Loki and brings him along on an adventure, which was a a, a much different there's a much different inter, uh interaction between those two in Thor the Dark World versus Thor or the Avengers. Well, and there's an argument to be made, and I don't know if I subscribe to it 100%, but that the Thor movies, especially Thor The Dark World, they're Loki movies, and Thor is uh, tertiary, or secondary, not tertiary, but a secondary character to his brother. Yeah. And that's why Loki is such a strong villain. Loki is a huge character in all of the first Thor. He's a huge character, obviously, in Avengers. And... He has a more interesting arc in Dark World than Thor does. Yes, he does. But how much of that was even real, though? That is, is the thing. Is like, I, I almost wish he died when he dies in Thor of the Dark World. Even though I'm excited to see see him in Ragnarok, and I'm excited to see where he goes after that. I, he, he you're, you're right. He, he had a different arc. He had a very interesting arc in Thor of the Dark World. But him, him being on the throne at the end kind of negated his entire arc because his entire arc was that self-sacrifice that apparently didn't actually happen. <laughs> so right. it was a trick 
just to he's a trickster yeah he's a trickster <laughs> um and he's super interesting but i do kind of that that's one of the deaths that i hate that they took away from us because i'm I, honestly i'm feeling a little fatigued on loki like hmm. thor has such a broad scope of villains that he can fight against like surter is one that we have never even heard of yet in the mcu right and would be a, a huge thing like the fire demon. Well, and I don't think that Loki wasn't the villain in Thor: The Dark World. Yeah, but no. he's he was the villain in the first Thor movie, Thor movie. and he was a villain in, in Avengers. Avengers yeah. And then he had such a big part in the Dark World that it's it's like just let him let him be, let him sit really, in prison. I don't really think about that as being. I don't. I'm not tired of Loki. I think that because I think Loki is as interesting as Thor in these movies thus far. And so, I think, like Nate said, basically. I think that we're going to get Thor being more interesting when he's with the Hulk, and we actually get to see him spend more on-screen time with a friend and, and ally and colleague like right. that. Right, because, rather than Loki. Right, rather than Loki. It is a lot more fun to watch Thor when he's loose and enjoying himself on, like, a road trip thing like this is exactly. supposed to be. Exactly, like the, the three times to, that we get Thor with people... He's there for like five minutes and carries somebody away. Um, well, and, and, and when he's with Loki, he's always sort of dour and like, yeah. I'm the stern brother here to protect, blah, blah, blah. Right. And the thing about Thor is he's so impervious to harm that his concern is more about the people he's with. And he's not fun when he's with Loki because he doesn't trust Loki. He's fun in all the Avengers movies because yeah. he trusts those people and you get to see. Just from an acting standpoint, Hemsworth has great comedic timing. That's true. so when he's with his friends, Thor is more fun. Uh, Question. Do you guys think either in Ragnarok or Infinity War, Loki's going to die? And I think it's... So there's the big rumor of a big death in Infinity War. And here's, here's what I don't think we've talked about before is... Is Loki going to get his due from Thanos? Loki I, made a deal with Thanos and didn't deliver. I don't think so. That's true. I, that, I haven't thought about it that way. He did make a deal with Thanos and not deliver. That's interesting. I think it's, I think it's more going to be uh, a Heimdall or Odin death at the end of, of Ragnarok. And uh, in Infinity War, Heimdall or Odin are going to be um, like the, the big important thing. For uh, for Thor, as far as the dead character coming back, because uh, you know we we talked about yesterday in the news the Yondu thing uh, being in Infinity War, yeah, and then yeah. you know everybody's got dead people. Well, Thor really doesn't have other than his mother any like big important dead people. Like nobody really cares about Rene Russo's character, but Odin, if Odin dies or if Heimdall dies, and you know they really make us care about Heimdall in Ragnarok. That that's poised to make a really big impact on Thor, and just See, based I, on some of the footage we've seen, I think they are going to make us care about Heimdall. Just seeing how he's going to be battling and stuff. Yeah, he got awesome. to do more in the trailer than he got to do in the first movie. I agree. <laughs> I think Loki survives Ragnarok, possibly. You know, if things break that way, possibly as a prisoner of Hela. But I don't see if Loki's around on Asgard and Thanos comes through for an Infinity Gem, I think Thanos bla- bathes the stars in his blood. Like, that's <laughs> right. that's the kind of guy that Thanos is. He's not going to forget 
the depth that Loki has to him. Yeah, you Absolutely. failed me. I could I could see that happening, but you know what else I could see happening? And this is you know completely against comics, but based on popularity of characters and all this stuff, I could totally see a uh, Avengers Infinity War. They kill Thanos, and then the yeah. the the gauntlet falls. And Loki like slips it on his hand Ugh. before. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. So in the Infinity Gauntlet comic book, the entire time, uh, it's Lady Death is there, and then it's Thanos and um, Mephisto is there, like trying to manipulate Thanos, and like he's kind of trying to get the Infinity Gauntlet for himself. You could slot Loki into that role, mm, yeah. Where like Loki, like is like this little groveling, like well, let's say, trying yeah. to manipulate Thanos. That would be interesting. I think if 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 Thanos showed up to kill Loki, I think Loki could talk him out of it. Well, yeah, <laughs> like I honestly think that uh, you know Loki mostly dealt with uh, what was his name, the other in uh, in Avengers, and he never really like. We never saw him communicating with Thanos directly. So Thanos could show up and he could be like, well, where's your spokesman? It looks like you need a new Herald so I can right. help you out with that. Right. Absolutely. And, and and that's that's something we haven't really talked about. So if Hela is death, or if, if there's something related to that, if there are mystical elements in the universe that are also contributing to Thanos' run at the gauntlet, right? Uh we could end up with more of a team film than we realize on the on the dark side. Well, and if, there's if already that's talk the case, of the Cull Obsidian being a thing. I don't know what that is. Okay, the Cull Obsidian is basically his lieutenants. Imagine uh, yep. Heralds of Galactus. Okay, but for Thanos. Gotcha. So, so if if I mean, it's almost like they've already been doing that with sending Ronan for for the the gem on Xandar and sending Loki for the gem on Earth. It's like he's already been doing this. This. I don't. I don't know what the Cole Obsidian is, but like, if that's the case, it's almost like it's already, that's already been going on for for uh, you know <laughs> almost a decade in these movies. They've already been he's already been sending people after these stones. If they're doing that, though, it's going to be really hard to introduce a Corvus Glaive and a Proxima Midnight and make us care about them. Right. Well, uh, but they they have announced casting like casting news that sounds like those characters. It does. Um, so, and we've seen set pictures of, of somebody holding a weapon that looks just like Corvus Glaive's staff. Hmm. Right, right. So I, I think I think we are getting some version of that. But if you you know if we're slot, let's say we slot Hella into that uh, death mistress death role, why not slot Loki into the Mephisto role? Yeah, I mean it just it would bring everything connected more. Like it would interconnect everything a bit more. And I mean, how get else? Get Feige on the phone. Get Feige on the phone right now. Um, the, <laughs> Fixed the, his movie. The, the main question for me is like, how how are we going to like if you if you think about like we've got the Hulk, we've got Thor, we've got Scarlet Witch, we've got you know all of the Guardians, we've got all of these characters, so many characters that are so powerful, and Thanos is powerful, yes, but it feels like it's really really slanted in our heroes favor because we have so many heroes like i i think some lieutenants and and some teamwork on the 
opposite side, on the on the dark side, would probably balance it out a little bit more. Do you guys think we see Thanos in Ragnarok? Or possibly his lieutenants? They I, almost ooh. have to do a tie-in. Oh, if we got Corvus Glaive in Ragnarok, oh, if we got Proxima Midnight or what, uh, Black Dwarf. See, in, that's the oh, thing. If, right. if, if, Hela, oh. if Hela attacking is part of this whole thing, then uh, the, the, it, it could be that that's showing whatever that organ. What, what did you call his generals? The Cull Obsidian. The Cull Obsidian. The Black Order. It could be that, obviously, she's attacking. Uh, we know there's at least one Infinity Stone already stored there um right the yeah, tesseract. tesseract is there tesseract is there they could just be after the tesseract this could just be all still be part of thanos's plan and and in which case this is like they could take thor ragnarok to introduce some characters like you're talking about that would make us like you said it's gonna be hard to make us care about those characters what if we already do going in like that'd be wonderful right right you can't introduce the cult obsidian in uh black panther Maybe yeah. Captain Marvel, but that's after. <laughs> yeah, that's so, way after the fact. Right. So, realistically, like, I think Thor Ragnarok has to have some tie-in. And maybe they don't show Thanos. I think we're getting to the point, though. We need Thanos out of a chair doing something. Because, I mean, what do we know about him other than he's supposed to be a badass? Yeah. I mean, there is something to be said for, like, the moment he stands up being a big moment because we've already seen he's he's in control of all these other badasses. So if he's coming down from his chair, you know it's something, something, you know something bad's going to happen. Yeah. You know? Well, well the, the thing that makes me think that maybe the Black Order might not be a thing is he says, fine, I'll do it myself. And then puts right. the gauntlet on. I'm like, yeah. Come on, though. Of all of the after credit sequences, I think that was the worst because it almost felt like it didn't relate to the movie. It it almost caused the movie itself to have a different light on it. Yeah. Uh, Because how is Ultron doing his own thing if he's being controlled by Thanos? Like, yeah. Like it. It basically it seems to uh, allude to the fact that Ultron's uh, entire self. sentience was based on software that was in the mind gym or whatever like that's and that's strange to me yeah well you know here's a thought we know that hella escapes hell in thor ragnarok what if thanos is the one that busts her out and like sends her on her mission right Uh, just what they're saying or even turns the gears that lets her out I could see you know, that being the thing because from just from what like I understand, a five minute. from what I understand, it's supposed to be that Loki's extremely poor leadership causes her to be unleashed, and right. I mean that could be anything, but right, it seems I don't think that he would like necessarily make a deal with Thanos. I think he might. He made a deal with the Frost Giants or whatever to come he made and a deal attack. with Thanos already. Yeah, exactly. Well, he Maybe, had a different plan at that point. He wanted to rule Earth. Well, maybe he knows he can't stand up to Thanos, so he's willing to deal with an attack on Asgard that he's almost sanctioned or whatever, uh, just like he did with the Frost Giants in, in, in Thor yeah, 1. but then that would put Hela more in line with Proxima Midnight, and there it looks like they're already subbing her out for the Enchantress, or subbing her in, I guess, for the Enchantress, and I just, 
I don't really like that. I don't like that at all. <laughs> yeah. Like, I want like Gamora. In, I just don't really like that. Yeah, I want, well, I want Gamora around. It feels like Hela is, like, encomp- encompassing, like, three different female characters now. And... That's good. There's too many. There's too many that. cool female characters. In the right. Movies. There's too many really strong a, female villains. We need to. We need to yeah, pare those like, down a little bit. Like, <laughs> I know. I know. Blanchette is an amazing actress, but like, and if we keep gorgeous. on this path, she's going to be playing Captain Marvel and Black Widow too. <laughs> <laughs> I might be okay with that. She is. Oh, mm. We've. I've talked <laughs> at length about how gorgeous that woman is. So we're we're we're, we're getting. Dealing with a lot of this stuff, obviously, but anything else about Thor uh, that we think what with the arc of Thor? It's it's still it's still kind of fuzzy to me. What is the arc of Thor? I mean, whether he is worthy or not as part of his arc. Well, the other the other characters that we've talked about have had three movies so far to do their own thing. Thor's only had the two. Yeah, and he really didn't do much in either one in Age of Ultron. Right, and he like. He was there to be muscle in he has not the first Avengers. Had nearly the character development, and this is right. you know part of why those aren't my favorite movies. Is he's not well, as compelling and, of a character, and that's part sure. of why I'm excited for Ragnarok. Is I think early on that hammer gets shattered, and well, yeah, he has it, his hair. It's a little bit of a parallel to Iron Man three, whether or not you like that movie, but you get to see Tony Stark without the armor. Now we get to see Thor without the hammer and you know till this point thor's purpose is he is a god he's he's not deus ex machina he's deus ex deus you know (laughs) (laughs) his his job is to show up and he shoots lightning and he's the strongest guy there is next to the hulk and you know i think what we're gonna see is hopefully in ragnarok we see Thor have an arc where he has true adversity. Yeah. And and, and, and true friendship, too. Like, I, we haven't really... I'm very disappointed in the relationships that have been built in the Thor movies. Like, I really do yeah. not... I could care less about his relationship with Jane Foster. Just I does, like Natalie Portman. I love Natalie Portman. She is phoning it in in those roles. Well, and, and the, the writing gave them almost no moments together. He has more. Right. He has much more reason to care about Eric Selvig than he does to care about Jane Foster. They Absolutely, s- they spend more time together. They go caught in a mad bromance. Yeah, they 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 spend way more time together. They uh, they, he they cares they, a lot about. They it. drink a lot together. They smash beers. They have they like <laughs> that, that, whole, that whole scene in the first movie is like. The most he connects with anyone, and then by the end of the movie, he's in love with Jane Foster for some reason. I just didn't get yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and, and then the second the, movie you want is... like a you want like a Zeus Ganymede kind of relationship with those two? <laughs> I don't know. I just <laughs> I just wanted uh, I I felt like that movie felt the need to force a romantic relationship, and now we have to live with that romantic relationship that I don't buy through the rest of these movies. <laughs> so here's a here's a question. You know, Pepper Potts essentially is written out of the movies. She, maybe she makes an appearance again. I doubt it. I think they just don't want to pay for another big-name actor. Right. And I kind of feel the same way about Natalie Portman. And do you think Marvel has realized, hey, we don't need to shoehorn in a romantic plot into these movies? Uh, 
you know, and, and this is speaking really broadly. I don't want to. I don't want to speak for everyone, but you know, our heterosexual female viewers will show up for the the male heroes, and the the guys are going to show up because it's an action movie. Like you know, if yeah. you're thinking like a marketing person, who is that? Boring romantic yeah, what, plot servicing. What demographic are you trying to get with that? Yeah, it's 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 old thinking. It's the kind of thinking where every movie has to end with defeat the villain, get the girl. Like that's just well, and honestly, it's more about treating women like it's less. In truth, it's less about uh, catering to women's needs in a movie, and it's right. more about treating them as property to some degree and i and i just really i agree like, like it's just yeah, like it, at the end of the movie you got to have a woman on your arm or you're not a victor <laughs> well <laughs> and and it's some of the worst part of the cw shows and honestly Absolutely. it's some of the worst part of agents of shield like did we need the the it felt forced to me the whole colson and may like romance in the last season's uh season of agents of shield like that wasn't there in any prior season and all of a sudden they Hmm. have this background and and like like the only relationship on that show i give two craps about is fitz and simmons because that feels organic interesting it feels earned i feel right i i actually i disagree about man colson i think man colson feels earned it also it feels like they have some unspoken thing, if you will, <laughs> and and and, maybe, I, and and like it's it's not it's it, and the only reason it came out this season and it's kind of put them in an uncomfortable position is because Ratcliffe Ratcliffe effed with May's uh, right May's programming, if you will, to cause her. It. To to want to go after him, she, he he saw in her code that she had those proclivities and was like, "Oh, I can use that." Um, and well, so, I'm, I'm glad it worked for someone. It didn't work for me, but yeah. I, I guess to the larger extent, it's like part of me goes, "We can have female and male characters and not pair them off. Like we don't need to be the CW on this stuff." Right. Absolutely. My biggest but. example of, of how far Marvel has come with that is that in Civil War, we had Cap kiss Agent 13 because that's where they were going as far as their relationship. And she says, about damn time. And then we never see her again. Like, it's not, he, she's not on his arm at the end of the movie. And and he doesn't, like, get the girl. Like, he gets but that if, kiss. And if they come back in the next movie and they're just a couple, you will have seen it dropped in. You'll see it have been a thing. But they didn't have to make it an on-screen thing. And I kind of like that. Yeah. I yeah, kind of like exactly. that. Exactly. He comes in. He'll be... the, the they, they will have, like, it's a year later. They've been dating. It's fine. But we <laughs> didn't have to watch it happen. Like, I don't yeah. care at all about your dating relationships. Right. If the world is ending, like, that's not the most important thing. Right. And our culture treats romantic relationships like the most important thing always like the be all and end all of human existence and and it's just not and sometimes people have greater callings or like whatever and they'll and they're and they're they're seeking those things but movies just have to shoehorn in that plot even when you're 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 fighting off demons from hell but i need the other but i need to go make out with this guy right now yeah oh man that's that's a perfect example the arc and let's get to hulk because we haven't gotten to hulk yet um 
What a perfect time to talk about the Hulk. When Black <laughs> Widow pushes Hulk off that thing, that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. There's a there's this romantic relationship that we have seen sort of organically sort of brewing at the beginning of the movie. Like, it's not there yet, but we can see it. there's kind of a flirtation. But then she has to choose the mission over him. And that's that's that's, that's, that's reality. That's totally her character. Yes. That is her character to a T. Absolutely. And like... That betrayal makes things more interesting. I don't feel like the Hulk has much of an arc. <laughs> well, the Hulk it's... is too strong. Because all of his solo movies have ever been about, like, how much can I destroy? And that's not, like, we've we've seen in Man of Steel, we've seen in Transformers, we've seen in Batman vs. Superman, like destroying cities is not interesting to us. It's not what we want to see. So, like, yes, we like to see the Hulk meet somebody, like, come up against somebody who is his equal either physically or is so mentally strong that uh, that they can kind of stall him in a physical sense, like in the leader, which we haven't actually seen yet, but is an interesting villain for him. Um, he is He's a much better... In at least in the film, he's a much better hero with a team, much the way that Thor is, because yeah. you've got all these other people around him that are like, "Whoa, I gotta watch out for him. He's helping, but like, I still have to stay out of his path because he's raging." So yeah. he's, he's that I, I have some thoughts on the Hulk, which is in the comic books when you're reading it, it's simple hero like you put yourself in the Hulk's shoes. And it's easy to like like the Hulk because you want to be the strong person like the Hulk is. When you get to the movies, you know, if you were like a nerdy outcast kid or whatever, when you get to the movies, all of a sudden, like, if the Hulk was taking on the leader, it's just like, oh yeah, the strong jockey kids can totally beat up the smart kids whenever they want. That's that's real world. This isn't hero fulfillment. <laughs> <laughs> like it doesn't translate into film and like you guys said i think he just works better as part of a team yeah well, that and universal has the distribution rights so they're not going to make any solo hulk movies for a little bit yeah that's yeah. really convenient <laughs> it's like oh we, we don't feel like making any of those right now yeah, yeah whatever we'll do a hulk story when uh when we think the time is right I feel Which like, is going to be the second we have distribution rights back. <laughs> you know, we had these. Ta- we talked about these really interesting arcs with Tony and Cap, and I feel like looking at this, the rest of the Avengers that we have right now: Thor, Hulk, uh, Scarlet Witch. I'm going to leave Black Widow out of that. Uh, Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Uh, all of the other Avengers, Vision, are kind of one note right now. And they, they haven't, one, had, they haven't had solo movies. Totally agree. I'm just and trying to... two, they haven't been in that many movies, period. So they have like 20 minutes of screen time. Right. So Absolutely. that's understandable. And Hawkeye, Hawkeye just got shafted because Joss Whedon didn't really want him in the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, and I love Joss Whedon, but I also love Hawkeye. And so right. that kind of sucked. Yeah. But. God, if we had like, what I want to see out of Hawkeye is I want him to transition to Netflix and have like a Matt Fraction style Hawkeye series. Yeah. Well, and and I will say the Russos really used him well in Civil War. Like, Oh, yeah. And, and I feel like we're getting a feel for who Hawkeye is. 
And let's let's say he makes it out of Infinity War. <laughs> as unlikely as it is, I, I'll give you but, that. No, but let's say we have a second generation of Avengers. Say it's Hawkeye, Spider-Man, Scarlet Witch, and he's just kind of the old veteran leader. Like, right. that'd be interesting. That, like the West Coast Avengers, almost? Yeah, West Coast Avengers. Let's do it. Let's yeah. get Wonder Man in there. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think I think he could do. He could serve that role really well. I will say, I think I love. I I don't know that she's more than one note, honestly. But I just really love the one note she plays. Uh, talking about Black Widow. I honestly, um, I don't think that she's very one note. She has such a dark past that she has to deal with. Like we see more characterization in her in the Winter Soldier than. Any other time that we've met her. That's true. I, what I'm saying yeah. is the one note she plays is, I'm a good guy with a dark past. Like, I don't know that there's much deeper than that. No, she's... From she's, an arc. For, like, she, she hasn't changed. When I say one note, she is, is what I mean is, like, this is the chord they played with her. No, she's Captain America from the other direction. She wants to do the good thing. She knows that she needs to do the good thing. But her past is so dark and and she's uh, she's trying to hold on to this ideal, but just can't right. get through the fog of of how the the real world actually is, rather than the ideal. She's trying sure. to see that light, and then she's trying to do the right thing, but kind of gets pulled into the other thing, and it's like I'll do the dark thing if I need to, if it's for the good, sort of. And then Cap's like, "No, you can't do that. We have to do the good thing. Get your feet off the dash. We're returning this truck. <laughs> like, that sort so, of thing." Do you think? they're ever going to cash in on that dark past and show us what she did you know or are they going to leave it mysterious and do you think not knowing what she did takes away from her at all i think not knowing kind of adds to that air of mystery and that that um the you know the the readers and the and the viewers fill in the blanks like we right we know as you know comics fans we know that you know what she's done you know xkgb and all that stuff but like if you're just watching and you have that idea of like, well, God, that that must be rough to see. Like, she had her, she was she was struck barren. Like, she can't have kids. She has this yeah. super dark past that she's running from. Like, she still feels bad about it, even though she's an Avenger and like is doing Avenger things. And like, there, there's so much to that that you can just kind of have in the back of your head of like, you don't need to see that to to build on the ominousness of it. Yeah, right and. I agree with that to an extent. It's like Wolverine was way more interesting in the comics before they gave him an origin, right? Because it could have been anything, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. But then, at the same time, with Black Widow, she has an interesting perspective because, like, when Tony Stark is falling down, you know, when he's stumbling morally, she's been there already. I was actually. I'm thinking about, you know, uh, Jeff, you just said she's Captain America from the other side. I'm not sure of it's it's re- it's really rare for her to be wrong morally. Um, yeah, I don't know that that's ever really happened in the movies. And she's another character that kind of like is always she's always right. But she also is willing to do willing to do the dark thing if that's what needs to happen. Right. Well, I, I think um, she welcome. does what needs to be done, and I think that's kind of her character. Like, morally, should she have kicked Banner down that shaft? Well, you can make the moral argument that maybe not. 
But she right. did it because it had to happen. Yeah, she's all about the mission, um, and she has to do what has to be done. Uh, whereas I don't think I don't think Cap would have kicked him down that shaft. You know, right. like Cap wouldn't have done that, but then they wouldn't have had the Hulk for the battle. <laughs> yep. You know, uh, of course that's assuming that uh, Cap and Hulk were going to run away together. That's a whole different. <laughs> it's a whole different fanfic. You do not take Bucky away from Cap. Check my okay. check my blog. Um, I've got some really <laughs> pictures up there if you're interested. You're my mission um, slash fiction slash mattcarroll.com <laughs> Matt Carroll music Matt, Matthew Carroll music.com check out my pics of uh, there's no pics there just music it's it's the gif of of from Winter Soldier where Bucky's on top of him and he's like you're my mission and it's just that repeated over and over <laughs> stevenart.com slash Matt Carroll uh, yep, Matt yeah. Carroll music so, so I can't I can't draw it all so just be like stick figures with like an arm with a star on it or whatever um, you draw a circle in front of one of them like yeah, that's the shield but 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 I didn't think it through so the shield you can still see the full body you know yeah behind you, did, the circle. you did the stick figure and then you did then the, I just drew a circle, circle over it yeah <laughs> I'm real bad at drawing people and then you like you can't do concentric circles so you just end up doing like a spiral inward with a star at the end of it it's <laughs> like that's Captain America it's fine Captain America it's fine it's fine um, Captain America meets Dr. Faustus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, I, I still like, so, so I still don't think she's changed though, is my only, what I, what I mean. When I said one note, I think all of these other Avengers. Well, she hasn't had screen time to grow. Agreed. Agreed. And I'm just saying, and like, we need that. That's kind of what we're talking about tonight. I'd is, be okay with a Hawkeye Black Widow movie. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, totally down with that. Uh, or or a get Hawk- Feige on the phone. I'm, I'm j- I just want to. I would love a Black Widow movie. And I don't see why they haven't done it because I think the money is absolutely there. Yeah, um, I mean, I think they tried to do it in Ghost in the Shell. They just named it wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, Ghost and Lucy even did really well financially just because Scarlett Johansson like pulls in a crowd. Yeah, she's got that name that draws mm-hmm. that crowd. Right. So I don't know. Okay, so I feel like we've we've discussed the Avengers to death. Um, let's, let's go talk, a little cosmic. Let's talk cosmic a little bit. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, what can be said that hasn't already been said in several episodes? From yes, us? I right. Think, I think what's interesting about them is their their two movie arc so far has been we are a family, and now we're like acting as a family the second movie uh deepened their bonds in a really cool way uh and so i think i think we're going to see them going forward as a unit i think there's lots of i mean it could go anywhere honestly and i know we obviously are going to see them face off with thanos in some form or fashion think about where they come from uh before avengers infinity war like chronologically uh the second guardians movie happens two years before, two to three years before Avengers Infinity yeah. War. So they've been acting as a team for that long before Thanos shows up on Terra. And, you know, they show up and they're they're their own unit. They're almost one character, like the Guardian's yeah, character, because they they're so tight-knit. Yeah. And they have their own team and they have to, like, they laugh at the Avengers as they stumble and fall over each other. And they're like, you guys aren't working together at all. We're awesome. But we still need you because this guy is huge. Yeah, but the Avengers I, work really well together as a team as well, though. In a fight, at least. Yeah. 
I think Thanos tears that family apart. I honestly, like, the Guardians, like, their movies are fun and they're about family. And so now their family's functioning as a cohesive unit. So what what's a writer going to want to do? Tear that apart. They're going to want to mess with that. Like, what makes them interesting and can we deconstruct that? So you have Drax, who just wants to kill Thanos. You have Gamora, who's Thanos' daughter. Like, you can do some real interesting stuff by, you know, breaking that unit up and bringing them down. Like, maybe maybe it's, they don't even get tore apart due to infighting, but they just get tore apart by this force that's bigger than them. Yeah, or they lose a member of the family. And that yeah. that would be so hard We've already lost a member of the family, though, when, when Groot died. Yeah, but he, he, he came right back. He's back. He came right back before the movie was over. He was dancing. And he was dancing and 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 came back with a vengeance. He is so cute in that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's arguable that after Groot dies, like the 3 minutes that he's in at the end of Guardians 1 was the most profitable 3 minutes of Groot in the entire movie. Oh yeah. Like how many dancing Groot toys have we had? Oh, oh do you know how many dancing? I own like three. Dude, I saw so many like potted dancing Groot cosplays at Dragon Con <laughs> in like the years <laughs> since that. It is insane. That's amazing. I mean, I've got in the in the Guardians um, collector core box. There was a a pop fig of Rocket with Baby Groot on the back of his head, mm. and Rocket's head bobbles and Baby Groot's head bobbles. That's so great. It's so awesome. Yeah. I was a founder, and I actually like quit my collector core subscription right before that box. Oh man, I, I I feel bad about it, but at the same time, like my problem with collector core is I am too much of a collector, and like I can't throw the boxes away because like, the <laughs> I'm boxes the same are way. so. I've got all my so it's like stacking my- up in my house, and it's like once you own. I probably own between 25 and 40 pops now. Oh, God. And it's like, when you get to that point, all of a sudden, like, they're not bringing you that much joy anymore. Right, right. <laughs> you, you start to buy shelves. I'll just buy the ones I want from now on. Right, yeah. I, 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 with the pops, I got I got a few of those boxes, but I, uh, I'm... And I did, I did save every one of them. I got, like... 15 boxes sitting around here. You start yep. building furniture out of it at some point. <laughs> but see, at work I've got uh, I've got the Captain America Civil War like the double pop figure set that came with it. Um, I've got yeah, Cap like and one. Iron Man sitting like squaring off and around them I've got uh, Doctor Strange Astral Form Thor from Avengers Age of Ultron and then now Rocket and Groot like sent, standing around them watching squaring off. So I've just kind That's of great. I built this little set at my desk. Yeah, I have the same. If, I have uh, this civil. I have the Civil War airport scene happening up on my. Uh, <laughs> up on if my I mantle. set my pops up at work, it would look like Yondu's cockpit inside <laughs> of my tractor. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I think I think you should get like legitimately like a little fake one of those frogs and put it on your tractor and a troll doll. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm sure everyone else on the farm will understand what that's about. <laughs> they better. Gonna learn today, damn it. <laughs> mm. So, let's talk Ant-Man. We only have one movie to... Well, two movies to talk about. He was he was in two movies. I, I he, had a, uh, he had a small arc and he had a big arc. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. That was so dumb. I'll see myself out. <laughs> I do feel like a lot of what he's got is uh, not so much character development yet, but just yes. like uh, power development. Yeah, he's he's learning how to how to do the thing that he does, which tends to be the thing. Like first movie is power development, <laughs> just like becoming who you are. Like, like oh shit, start- I can do this. Tony Stark does have an arc in the first Iron Man movie, but he's still the same guy at the end that he was at the beginning. He's still the pompous, blah, blah, Captain America's the same guy. It's those subsequent movies where you really start to see these real arcs form. I'm just loving where we are with some of these guys. And in the next one, it's, it's, not, I, it's not Ant-Man by himself. It's Ant-Man and the Wasp. Like, she's in the title yeah, that's, now. That's huge. Yeah. And she gets her own suit. Like she, uh, Evangeline Lilly recently posted on Twitter that she went in for a fitting last week for her suit and she's like, she's getting pumped. And I was just like, oh my God, can you like, did you get a selfie of that? Like share it with us and we'll, we'll, we won't tell anybody, but like, please send me that. Like I need to uh, see it. <laughs> yeah. You know, the thing is, I honestly, if Ant-Man doesn't mature or grow as a character, I could care less if they make an interesting, like two-movie Hope Van Dyne arc. Because, like, is it so wrong that Ant-Man is comedy relief? He's He's got enough power to be interesting, but, like, if the second movie is more about an arc of hope from the first movie to the second movie... Because she was a big part. Like, she arguably had more character development than he did in the first movie. True. So, like, just let her be the the character and let him be the comic relief and... I think you're playing to both actors' strengths there. Yeah, and yeah, Paul absolutely. Rudd, I feel like Paul Rudd's not the kind of actor either who's going to be like, no, I need a main arc. You know, a lot of these movies get messed up when you have a guy in the in the title role who's just Edward like... Norton. <clears throat> yeah. Excuse uh, me, I had something in my throat. Who, who, who has to... Has to have the movie the way he has to have the movie, and has to. Uh, oh, uh, you hear that all the time with the uh, Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> Apparently, like yeah. I think it's like in the Rock's contract that he can't lose a fight. Wow, <laughs> like like <laughs> you just can't have the Rock lose a fight. I, I may be getting that wrong. It's in one of the guys. It's either him or Vin Diesel. You just see what can't lose you, a fight when you're a timeless, ageless, probably wizard like uh, Paul Rudd is. Those things, they just seem so small to you. The man doesn't age, so why does he care if he has top billing? Uh, well, his, he, my favorite role of his is Kunu from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh, man. When life gives yes. you... Just when life, pop up. When life gives you lemons, I say fuck lemons and bail. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's my you favorite know, comedy. I don't think that there's a movie where I don't like Paul Rudd. Like, in anything I've ever seen him in, I've loved him. He is very charming. He really is. And he's got right. the charm to be that, that top build, like, male role. But he also has the comedic, uh, the comedic chops to, like, just be the backup guy at the same well, time. Scott Lang in the comics is the lovable screw-up. He really and, is. And, like, who plays a more lovable screw-up than Rudd? So let let Evangeline Lilly be the straight man to Paul Rudd and let her be the heroic hero. And, yeah, he's going to come through in a pinch a few times. And 
he's going to be hilarious the rest of the time. I think we're all game for that. Yeah. yeah. And the only thing that I worry about with that is the the um, the trope being hit on of like the the woman is always serious and in control and has oh, to true. has to clean up after the dumb guy. And, and and a lot of times that that breeds this weird thing where the guy's off having fun and we like watching the guy have fun and then they write the woman in such a way that she's like the stern disciplinarian and then you just feel like stop making my guy <laughs> quit being so mean lady quit making my guy stop cooking meth i like when he cooks meth it's fun to watch you know yeah, Breaking Breaking Bad. Bad. Well, yeah. Part, part of it is i i think where we expect ant-man and the wasp to go is into the microverse the microverse um, well yeah, not yeah. not officially tm the microverse ah. um what are we calling it uh the, the quantum uh, realm quantum realm but uh i think i think it's going to be a search for janet van dyne and that would that's be a real cool. story that would that's be a real cool. van dyne story i think that'd be real real cool oh but what if like what if they go on the search for for janet van dyne and then like she ends up dying then everybody's got dead people still. It's interesting to me that Ant-Man and the Wasp is happening after Avengers Infinity War, the first one. It's happening yeah. between the two films, which the, the, it's so weird to me. Those movies that are happening in between the two films. Like, what do you do? Yeah, how can you even... I guess you can be telling a story that happened before the events of the film, or there's actually a whole, like a, like a gap of time between the two Infinity films. Or maybe um, instead of killing everybody, they all just get sent to an alternate dimension. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm interested to see what... If Ant-Man and the if Ant-Man and the Wasp have any role in Avengers Infinity War, the first movie, and I how that would affect their 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 next movie. If I recall correctly, right. Hope Van Dyne actually doesn't have much of a role, if at all, in the first one, but does have a role, a big role in the second one. Okay. Or well, I guess fourth Avengers movie technically. Right. It does definitely lower the stakes like how do you market Ant-Man and the Wasp if like your trailers for Infinity War are like, are all the Avengers going to die? And then, like, the next thing you see a cameo from Falcon and Ant-Man and the Wasp. You're right. Like, oh. And, and it may be that they don't really show up too much in Infinity War, in which case it could work just fine. Kind of the same thing. We've got Captain Marvel, who's got her movie scheduled between the two Infinity films. Yeah, her and his first movie. Yeah, like, how do you tell that story? <laughs> How do you origin somebody in the middle of one of the biggest things in in cinema history? I think what would be kind of cool is if they or if they like we're watching the Infinity War. They're all you know at the edge of destruction or whatever, and then we get to her film, and it's just like two years earlier, and we see like <laughs> you know her origin story and her becoming who she is, and then maybe she shows up in the next movie, but they give her origin story in that movie. You know, she was originally supposed to be uh, shot in the final scene of Avengers Age of Ultron. Yeah, I heard like, that. She was supposed to be floating down where Scarlet Witch is in that one, and they they left her out of that so that um, so that they she could have her own actual origin movie and not right. take that away from her. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's one of those things where they say they're changing her origin from the comics because it was too much like the Green Lantern origin. Hmm. And I don't know, I don't know from a comic reader standpoint if I feel like that's true or not. But they're gonna do 
a completely new origin for her. So that <laughs> may that makes it easier because you don't have to set up Marvel first. Wait, right. you mean, but, you mean you somebody know, who gets is, their power from an intergalactic space like police force is too much like Green Lantern? <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like Nova is Green Lantern's equivalent. But it, uh, yeah, beside yeah, that point, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> like a lot. I, I yeah. guess you know the the sad thing about getting as into this stuff as we are is like three years ago, I would have said what they should do. Since second spoiler alert, Agents of Shield is in space, and we all think it's going to be Agents of Sword is introduce Carol Danvers at the end of next season. Oh, God. That would be really but cool. We, we, I, I think the three of us know there is like less than a snowball's chance in hell of that happening. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty low chance. Pretty low chance. It's unfortunate, so, too, because that would be so amazing. Like, if they had a sword base and they had... Like they brought her out of like some sort of stasis at the end of the season, like she was the MacGuffin... And oh, you just roll neat. into her movie. I, I I would buy the ticket for that ride. Yeah, and and it would be that'd be about the right time for her to wake up uh, if she's you know or whatever, or to yep. come into the storyline because um, that would be after uh, after Infinity War. So Doctor Strange, my friends, Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange is going to bring a whole new element to this entire universe and this entire fight. Absolutely. You know, you say that, and we've been saying that for, like, years, Doctor Strange is going to, but in a way he has, it's here, but we've yet to see him really interact. But we're going to see him interact in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, we are. We're going to see the beginnings of that uh, mystical realm kind of encroaching in on the cosmic, encroaching in on the regular realm. Like, I'm just really excited to see. I really want to watch Tony Stark's technology match up against Doctor Strange's magic and and uh his his conjurations and whatnot. Like, oh god, I am way too excited well, about that. If Strange is the Sorcerer Supreme by the time of Thor Ragnarok, which is what it looked like in the cameo, the Stinger, um then I, none of the heroes we've seen so far match up against him. I don't know. You man. know, he is just so well if you if the Sorcerer Supreme is the comic book level, then he is by far the most powerful character they've introduced. But the way that it's looking for me though is that he's just going to be the master of the New York Sanctum. Right, right. If he's not, that's that's maybe more interesting from a power standpoint. But he's he's super powerful in the Infinity War, and basically all he is is a taxi cab. He just yeah. teleports all the heroes to Thanos and, you know... Let's do kinda... this. Yeah, I can't remember what he does if, like, he's using his magic to kind of keep them alive longer. But I don't remember him actually fighting against Thanos. Hmm. But he is... Doctor Strange, when he's at his height of power in the comics, he borders on, you know... Godlike. Like a... a yeah, like a galactic entity, like not like an eternity, but like a Galactus. Yeah. Like he could fight Galactus and you'd be like, "Oh, that's interesting if he won." Like you'd believe he can beat Galactus. Now, you'd also there's versions of him where, you know, he's just going to get his butt whooped by a Galactus, but yeah, I mean, that's 
he's been all over but, the place. Like I, I like the Sorcerer's Supreme, the you know where he's uh, going through time with all of these different sorcerers. Like that's a really interesting concept for him because like time and space are relative, and especially for somebody who can dimension hop like that, that he can just do whatever he feels like. And right. He doesn't have to be all powerful if he's got a bunch of other really powerful people with him for that. Well, and, and the thing is, like when you say he's the most powerful Avenger, it's it's like one of the most powerful characters in the comic is Susan Storm, the Invisible Woman. She's powerful because she can just make a invisible bubble around your head and suffocate you. Like she can kill anyone in the universe. Uh, you know, she can make a bubble inside your chest and kill you. She never does that, but. Doctor Strange at full power, like, he can snap his fingers and you're in the void of space or the center of a sun. So I don't think we see that level of power from him. But I think we're going to see, I think the cameo in Ragnarok's going to be super important to set up what power level is he actually at. Yeah, kind of set the stage for what he can do. Because uh, in the comics, like, it's hard to make him interesting because he's so powerful. Until you get him in... Like, it's hard to make him interesting in a team-up book, I should say. Because he's so powerful. He's so much more powerful than everybody else. You're like, come on, Doc. Just unmake it, you know? Just undo the thing. where It's the bad guy. Make him go away. I feel like this has been a problem for uh, Scarlet Witch so far. Because she's so powerful in the comics. And they don't exactly want to explain that. So they've given her sort of like... They've kind of half-assed her powers and not really explained fully what she can do, yeah, and and right. so uh, it, I'm I'm worried that we'll get a similar thing with Doctor Strange. It seems like not though. In the movie, at least, we got a pretty solid view of what the well, kinds of things he can do. Not necessarily they kind of what he can do. They kind of depowered the Eye of Agamotto, though. Like the Eye yeah. of Agamotto in in comics is like crazy strong. And yeah, here it's just it's, time. It just messes with time, and that's it. Mm. You know, the most interesting Doctor Strange for me was uh, the Secret Avengers, New Avengers run, where he was essentially the team leader and, once again, team taxi. Uh, <laughs> like, like he, you know, he teleported the Secret Avengers around, and their base was in the Sanctum Sanctorum where no one else could get at him. And, and he was like, he was, that run of comics, he was just Professor Xavier to them. And like, there's a whole thing during the Civil War in the comics where Uatu the Watcher comes to him when he's meditating and asks, why don't you intervene? And he says, my job is to keep magics, you know, safe. And so he doesn't fight any of the battles really for the Secret Avengers, but he creates a safe haven for him. And that's what you have to do is you have to kind of clip his wings to make him interesting. Mm. You gotta you gotta give him more of that character arc and show how strong he is emotionally, able to just stay out of it. You gotta put those <laughs> cool le- yellow gloves on his hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those yellow gloves, man. They they looked really good in the in the yeah they did the teaser there. Like I thought that that was gonna look really goofy, like. He's going to have like big rawhide leather gloves and look like he works outside all day, but he doesn't. He's a sorcerer. I'm like, <laughs> what would that do? What, what, how would that look? That would be terrible. But his gloves look uh, damn near perfect, I would say. Mm. So, uh, two last 
uh, we have we have two more here that are coming up. Spider Man, yeah. Who I feel like we touched on a ton yesterday. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. L- one thing we didn't talk about is where do you see the future of Spider Man going? That's hard to say because I I really we want him we to be seen like, the first movie yet. Yeah, I, I want I want to say that he ends up being like a B team Avenger, like. All of the Avengers are dead or gone or whatever at the at the end of Avengers Infinity War, and he has to like either be part of or get a team together to kind of bring everybody together and and save them and help. Kind of like uh, in Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, whenever he was on that team and was kind of the tactician for that team. Yeah. See, I think we're saddled once again with the curse of knowledge here, which is. We know he's basically signed on for the next two Avenger movies and two, yeah, including Homecoming, two Sony Spider-Man movies. Right, and so it's it's he's hard for, for me to picture totally. him becoming like the center pivot point of the whole MCU, which is what I thought he was going to become at first. I thought they're going to phase out Tony Stark and bring Spider-Man in, and he's going to be the center character of this universe, and I don't see that happening you know everything these companies do is a calculated move and the comment about you know we it it was negotiated for two movies and i don't know if that'll ever happen again in movie history that that comment is a shot across the bow telling marvel we need more next time you know we want to make more money off this next time that was what sony was saying there yeah. I, think, and, I think how well Spider-Man Homecoming does is going to absolutely set the precedent going forward. Because right. if they make enough money, if if Spider-Man Homecoming, if Spider-Man in his first solo outing in the MCU makes like a billion and a half, they're going to know this is a bankable character. Let's do all of the deals for this. Yeah, but that's a tall order. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's a tall order. A billion and a half. Um, when you think about yeah. Guardians and where it sits right now in the in the you know the nation's love of Guardians and yeah, but Guardians doesn't have that like massive brand recognition that Spider Man has. Totally agree. Totally agree. I think I think there's a chance that Guardians outgrosses Spider Man Homecoming. Ooh. Uh, I, I I don't think it's a huge chance, but I think there there is a little Spider Man fatigue and reboot fatigue. Like I'm a fan, so like. That seems insane to me, but I definitely see it out there. Yeah. And that's the one thing that know, I think is going to drag it down more than anything is that people don't want to hear the origin story again. They're like, didn't they just reboot Spider Man? Yeah. And, and so not doing the origin story was absolutely the best thing they could have done, which, oh, yeah. Thank God. Um, but you, you do have the, the thing with Spider Man you get that you don't have with Guardians, say, is the kids. Yeah, like, right. and, and same with Batman. Even even the Dark Knight Nolan Batman's like, kids are gonna go see those movies because they know who Batman is, they know who Spider Man is, and those. And I think that that has the possibility of making a lot of money. And I think with Spider Man Homecoming, you're gonna get even more of that kid genre because you've got. Like in in the first two uh, boots of Spider Man, you've got you know your Tobey Maguire and your Andrew Garfield. Spider Man is out of high school by the end of the first movie, and right. in this one they're keeping him in high school for three movies at least. 
Like he starts as a sophomore in high school yeah. and they're going to keep him there. And that's, that is so like, that's really great as far as character, because that's, you know, that's what he was in the comics, but that's really great for your demographic as well, because you, you know, you've got, you got your cloak and dagger on Freeform, You've got uh, your new warriors coming up on Freeform, and your runaways on Hulu that are all really big, like, the the kid genres but you need somebody in the movies that's going to draw those kids and spider-man is that character and if you get him in high school and leave him there you've got kids identifying with him for longer yeah to to add to that point what what i find interesting is i have a nephew that's in fifth grade and he's all about Guardians of the Galaxy. Loves Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> well, I'd love to hear and, that. And the first movie came out, and obviously he was probably in third grade when that came out. My niece, who's a sophomore and going on her junior year, she's all about Spider-Man. And she, she reads the comics and stuff, and I've fallen off on the comics, but she reads them. And so it's kind of like Spider-Man fills a demographic that these movies... Mi- basically don't address because like the people going and seeing captain america and thor they're people our age and people in the fifth grade you know yeah Yeah. uh tweens could care less about superhero stuff for the most part you know unless they're teens that were like i was when i was a teen right (laughs) uh i I was just looking up i looked up all five spider-man movies and like the highest grossing spider-man movie till now is like under 900 million so that's, you know, even back in the Raimi days when, I mean, you know, but these days you've got a, you've got 3D that spikes the sales. You've got a few that actually, so it definitely could cross a billion, um, well, you've which got, would be amazing. I don't, I don't know that a solo character has crossed a billion except for maybe, maybe Iron Man. Iron Man 3 Iron Man 3. 1.3 or 4. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that the fact that they've got Iron Man in this upcoming movie is really going to drive up the numbers. That's true. Very, very few. Yeah, that's fair. Very few movies with Tony Stark make less than a billion dollars. That is. Yeah. And how crazy is that? Like we talked about this in in chat before we actually got into this episode. But like, you put Iron Man in a movie now, and it's like that's easily eight hundred million just right there from from <clears throat> RDJ just showing his face, and like yeah. You know, nine years ago, what were we? We were like, oh, this Iron Man thing might. I don't know, man. The trailer looks cool and all, but if they're gonna, are they gonna actually do that? And then like it came out, and I went and saw that movie twice in the same night. That's how good yeah. it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think where I where I go on how much I think Spider Man is gonna make is if it's a good movie, I think it makes between eight hundred and fifty and nine hundred million. If it's uh, if it's the blockbuster of the summer, if it's transformative in some way, you know, then it'll have legs. Because I don't know what's going to come out that's going to challenge it if it's good. Yeah, that's fair. Because uh, Wonder Woman is like is Wonder Woman it. is the most anticipated summer movie, but it comes out a month beforehand. Well, and Justice hmm. League is in the fall. Yeah, Justice League is going to have what Thor to contend with. Right. That's it. Right. Thor's like three weeks after Justice League or something, and then Star Wars. Yeah. Man. Uh, well, guys, uh, we got one more movie here we haven't talked about that's coming up, and that's Black Panther. I'm really excited about Black Panther. It's the movie it's hardest to speculate about because right. we've seen so little of the character. 
but gosh, was he good in Civil War, right? right? He was so amazing. Yeah, he was like, really, You're really so good. interested and invested in this character because, like, from the first moments we met him, we met him in that UN boardroom. In that brief time that we got to know him, we already know that, like, he doesn't like the idea of politics already. Like, he doesn't immediately like the idea of politics, but he's kind of getting better at it. And... His dad is happy about that. He's got a good relationship with his father, and, and he loves his dad and his country. And you know that he's a hero because he sees this bad thing starting to happen and yells, just screams, everybody get down, and leaps at his dad. And then his father dies on film, like right in front of him, from the first thing you see from him. And we get that immediate just bottom bottom level of of the human condition of like that extreme loss right in front of you and we get to grow with him coming back and dealing with that and almost killing the wrong person and being man enough to admit that by the end of the movie like oh my god i cannot say how much i love black panther in that movie well and the fight choreography for him didn't hurt either oh yeah oh my god (laughs) so good so so good and just the way he moves like a cat just so cool (laughs) Guy shows up dressed like a cat. You don't want to know more. We speculated on it yesterday, but I really think we're going to get like a political thriller. Like, obviously, it's a Marvel movie. There's going to be action, but I, I think there's a lot of interesting places to go with. Can you be the king and the warrior at the same time? Absolutely. Like, can you wear so. a crown and cowl? Yeah. Well, right. and, and what I love. Uh, is he's also already on the world stage being the king of Wakanda. And and people know who he is. We read the synopsis earlier uh, yesterday uh, about how, how he's uh, trying to avert a world war or at least keep Wakanda out of a world war. And that's, uh, you know, the Avengers, it took them a lot of movies to get to where they're a world power. The Avengers are now a world power. And now we've got this man who's already going to be on the world stage dealing with these large issues. By himself. Yeah, by himself as as his, as his a day king. job. Yeah. Like- his day job is dealing with world war. And then we have also are going to have to have him... Uh, him be, you know, the the Black Panther. Which and is not only that, but we get Lupita Nyong'o and, mm-hmm. uh, I cannot remember her name, but Denai Guerrero. Yeah, uh, Michonne from The Walking Dead. We get those two as part of the Dora Milaje. Like, that's crazy that we really, get that. Really, really great actors. Really great actors. Do you guys, do you guys think we get uh, Ulysses Claw yeah, in this one? Yeah, absolutely. I'm He's already been cast in it. we get him towards it. the end. I think they set him up for the second Black Panther movie, hmm. but I, I will say he was one of the stronger parts of Age of Ultron for me. Like when I think about people who I think really like, he wasn't in the movie long, but like the cuttlefish line, like that worked for me. Like that's Andy Circus. It could have been a terrible scene, mm-hmm. but Andy Circus sold that. That's Andy Circus being in a, a fucking yeah. amazing well, actor, and, and that's. Yeah, which makes me super excited to see him back as a villain. But yeah. I, with all, I, I'm a little worried if he is in this one that you're going to have villain overload. Yeah, that's but, fair. Uh, there's supposed to be two working against uh, Black Panther, and it looks like it's going to be um, it's it looks like it's going to be Claw and Eric Killmonger working together. Right. Mm. Which I'm I'm really excited that Michael B. Jordan gets to be Eric Killmonger. That's 
That's oh, going to be yeah. amazing. And, by and, itself. The, and yeah. the director of this, um, oh, Ryan Coogler. Ryan Coogler. His, yes, his, his, absolutely. His job on Creed was amazing. And he does amazing. The boxing sequences are so good. They're all generally one-shotters, and, and they just like drift around the fight. I just think it's going to be a great fit. Yeah. If you told me that he was going to shoot... You know, a guy buttering toast for five minutes. <laughs> I, I'd say, I, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, you, <laughs> you know you what? Know, I'm interested. Well, well, it's give just that like, man his steady he cam did and enough go on Creed. Like, like it's like, well, he he made Rocky interesting again. Let's see what he can do with toast. All right, and now now <laughs> I just now I just want to see Starhawk have to fight Killmonger. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just, I'd really want to see that interaction. Um, oh, do you think that was how they got Stallone? I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, dude, Stallone killed it in Guardians 2. He looked... He was so good. He looked younger somehow, too, yeah, he than did. he's looked in a lot of movies. Like, I just, you know, I've watched, watched Rambo like a decade ago now. Like his, the, the movie titled Rambo, where he's just like yeah. the old grizzled Rambo who's like just living in, yeah. like, living on that river and fighting old wars. It's, and... He just somehow he de-aged himself, and he looked like he looked like a few years past Demolition Man. Like he didn't look yeah, that he old. Did. He looked like like it could have been a sequel to Demolition Man. If they do, Stakar. if they if they do Guardians three thousand with him, like I'm game for a set of older superheroes. Me too. Like, and, and here's the thing about Stallone is. Stallone became a caricature of himself in the 80s, and like he got wrapped up in, you know, kind of the Arnold Schwarzenegger getting huge in these dumb action movies. Yeah, absolutely. But the guy won an Oscar. Yeah. And he can for, act. For like, writing, too. Like, he wrote that movie. Right. Um, he's a- Well, Rocky won and Rambo won. Those are genuinely good films. And absolutely. And he can act. Like, and you saw it in Creed. Oh, that yeah. dude deserved an, a supporting role. And I, I mean, I, I really saw it in Guardians too. He, yeah. It, what amazed me is he shows up on screen, and I didn't immediately think, "Hey, there's Stallone." I thought, "Oh, what is the interesting dynamic between this new character and Yondu?" Like he had a certain gravitas because he's Stallone, but like I saw past that and really saw the character. Um, yeah. Give give me give me Guardians three thousand all day long. Yeah, for real. I'll, I'll. Oh yeah. I mean they, they they cast such big people as all the characters. I want they just should do it. They just need to do it. They just go for it. Yep. All right. Um. Well. Any other thoughts? So so we were planning tonight to do TV next, but it is so late. We have been recording for like over two hours just on this episode so it's like four hours total that yeah we've been we were recording like four and a half hours tonight so i don't think we have time to do all the tv talk tonight maybe we can do that next week i don't know if you're available next week nate but we'll talk about it um yeah i might be cool um but i guess we'll make tonight the state of the mcu movies yeah um and, it, and that's a very exhaustive discussion 
of the state of the MCU movies. A a two hour cast where we have no news to cover, and I, I really enjoyed chatting. <laughs> and I with feel you guys like we it. actually got a lot of good conversation in on yeah, it. Yeah, that, that was a lot of fun, guys. Like, Thanks this for, has been a fulfilling conversation. Thank you, yeah. thank you for being here, Nate. Uh, you really made it made it special tonight. Uh, you got any uh, you got anything else you want to say about the uh, the MCU movies? Anywhere you just overall think it's going? So. This is going to be my big bit of speculation for the movies. Hopefully this doesn't drag out too long. Sure. But I really feel like the movies are transitioning, like the comics transition from the 50s to the 60s. So in the 50s, you had very straightforward superhero, you know, superhero fights a villain, beats them, next next arc. Then the 60s came in and there was a bunch of psychedelic arcs. And I think that's where we're going and I think the one thing that really would take us there 100%, and I feel like they're setting up for it, is the Fantastic Four. Mm. I think we're going to see them in the MCU. I think that's... If they do a big announcement like they did for, for Phase 3, area. that's going to be that's gonna be the, the big headliner of it. And we've seen elements already. Uh, Fox and Marvel are getting along better. Mm-hmm. The Watchers are in the we're in the uh, last Guardians movie. Like I just think there's enough hints there, and it's we don't have to do a time travel story. We can say they were stuck in the negative zone. We know the multiverse exists. Yeah, it's just not that hard to say they did an experiment in the '60s and they come out modern times oh i love that idea oh that's a great idea that is you just you just solved the problem for real if like right if they were like just a already a famous family back then that was like doing science or something and they just had some sort of catastrophe where their lab blew up and then they come out and it's somehow timed was dilated while they're in the negative zone and they come out that's a great idea like the atom was it's a little bit exactly like what they did with Captain America, but I'd still be on board for it. You know, um, it would be really funny if something similar to the Century story happened for that. Like, they they had their lab explosion, they blew up, they go to the negative zone, and somehow, like, the world's consciousness was, like, their presence was removed from it. And then they come back and, like, what, right. what happened? Why are we not famous now? <laughs> right. That's, that's just it. Like, I... Unlike the mutants, which I feel would break the universe if you introduced them, right? I think I think we have enough multiverse stuff. Like we know, time doesn't pass in the uh, um, microverse, and so we have the perfect situation. They could have been in the negative zone for years, and they come back, and it's not 1960 anymore. Yeah. So I I, I think. I think there's room for that family, that family team, and Guardians has been that to some extent. But but Earthbound. Let's face it. Where do you go after? Where do you go after Thanos? Uh, Thanos? Galactus. It's like I, I, we're setting it's up true. this whole new area with uh, the, the Earth is about to. You know, we we may lose our original four Avengers. Maybe or some uh, some of them, but we're still gonna have Vision, Scarlet Witch, uh, probably uh, you know you know Black Panther, Ant Man, all these kind of like newer people that are just starting to collect as new Avengers, Falcon, 
and then but the, and then you've got this cosmic arena and when when I heard James Gunn talk a couple years ago at Dragon Con, he was talking about how him and Feige were working on developing the cosmic side of the universe. Yep. They're just calling it the cosmic universe. And it's like, I, th- I think if, if I had to say one thing about the future of this fran- the, the franchise overall, TV and movies, we're just going cosmic. We're just yeah. we're moving cosmic. Guardians has been we're wonderful getting, setting we're it up. We're going sci-fi. Yeah, and I love it. love it so much. <laughs> From a Star Trek fan here, this is exciting. That that Star Trek trailer didn't excite me too much, but this this <laughs> all the stuff that uh, Marvel's doing is exciting. You know the the Fantastic Four coming in uh, and there being interdimensional travel like that and and different dimensions, especially uh, that could really open the door for like a Phase Five uh, incursions and secret wars kind of thing. Where we've got, yeah. you know, like oh, you said, that would be so kind of like fun. a crisis type event. Yeah, if you and if you've got, well, once you have a cosmic world built, and you kind of get to know these different species out there and how the Earth is relating to these different species, and then you also have Earth with its heroes, new heroes established, who are not only not only protecting it from outside threats, but protecting it from the Earthbound threats as well. The, and the and the the mystical being thrown in there for fun, uh, and then you have something like the uh, like scroll invasion or whatever. Yeah, that that just adds such like if that's like that could be the I could see something like that being the end of another huge arc, like another decade long arc where you like introduce the scrolls, have like inner political problems between the Earth and the scrolls, and then you have like. God. Oh, it could be could Man. be so good. They could really go another ten years. You really need to watch Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. I will because yes. that you. series weaves in the scrolls so masterfully. It's unreal. Cool. Well, I, that is an amazing cartoon for anyone who hasn't watched it. I so. haven't, and, and I should. I don't have nearly as much time to watch things these days, but I, I, I need to get I need to get on that this summer. Maybe I got a little more time because nothing is making new episodes anymore. So <laughs> thank God. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, guys, we are the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Thank you, Nate Muzzy, for being on. Thank you, Nate. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm just gonna plug the Patreon one more time. No. Uh, you guys are sure getting your money. You know, patrons, patrons like me, we're getting our money this week because these are going to be some long casts. <laughs> <laughs> they they are indeed. Uh, it's a thank you. Yeah, the Patreon is up. Nathaniel here was our first contributor. We really appreciate it. We've already had a few other contributors join, and uh, we really just thank every contributor who's who's joined us. It really means a ton to us. So. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, but you can check that out at patreon.com slash mcucast. Just like all of our other places, mcucast.com, at mcucast on Twitter, facebook.com slash mcucast, mcucast at gmail.com, 573castmcu. That one's backwards because <laughs> phone numbers. Uh, but, you know, mcucast, pretty much anywhere, everywhere you want to look. And um, check out... Uh, but yeah, please check out the Patreon. There's some cool things you can uh if you're doing $3 uh or more per um 
per 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 episode drop, which by the way will only do one paid episode drop a week. Uh, you get to commission an episode as often as we have time for you to commission an episode. Which right now we've only got two people at that level, so basically as often as we need to commission episodes, we'll just go back and forth as long as they keep throwing us ideas. Um, so you guys can get in on that and join the join the cycle. Uh, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back real soon. Uh, next week with probably State of the MCU TV. Yeah, because that's, I mean, that's the division is we have Marvel Television and Marvel Studios. And maybe maybe we'll have a good discussion about how those things may connect or may they not. They need to connect again. Yeah. Damn it. We'll, have, well, and there's so much TV coming. Oh, there's so much. They're so, building so much. a world again. So if you want to hear more about that, check out, check with us next week. We'll be back. All right. Thank you guys so much. Peace. Until next time, true believers. Thank you.